For us, it's become the theme song for the co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh. Yes, he is somebody I could speak to every day on the air, and I apologize if I do. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Nothing to apologize for, I can tell you that much. It's always amazing speaking to him and hearing what he has to say. And now, believe it or not, even with everything we've discussed over the last couple of weeks, there's even more, even more big news from Nefesh Benefesh. Rabbi Yehoshua Fast, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum, and to all your listeners. I have to say, before we even start, I started my morning, a really early morning, yeah. on my way to Yushalayim, listening to what? What do you think I was listening to? The Nachum Signal Network. No, <laughs> I was not. What were you listening But I needed my fix of Nachum Siegel, so I was listening to Behind the Bima with Rabbi Goldberg, <laughs> Rabbi Brody, and Rabbi Moskowitz interview you last night. Your, na- your name actually came up in that interview. Yes, I heard. <laughs> but, but it was great. It was great. You know, that talk about an all I, mean, I know this is not our topic, but give me a second. Talk about an sure. all, talk about an all-star lineup. BRS down yeah. in Florida, it, it literally has an all-star lineup. It's incredible the leadership they have down there. Yeah, no, it's uh, Baruch Hashem. They've done fantastic, fantastic stuff. They continue to do remarkable work, and it continues Rabbi Brander's dream when he founded the, founded the community. And we should mention, so of course, that Nefesh Benefesh began, quote-unquote, for those who remember the story, at Boca Raton yeah. Synagogue. Yes, it did. And it seemed like they remembered you fondly, Rabbi Fass, even though you're 6,000 miles away. They better. They're my <laughs> friends. So I, would, I, would, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, really. Although I haven't gotten an invitation to Behind the Bima, so uh, they you uh, they, outrated me. So they it's fine. You, have, you haven't been on yet? That's so funny. I'll tell you. Because when they, when they scheduled me, I said, who am I bumping? Let me know who I'm bumping. Because <laughs> I couldn't uh-huh. I, I believe they actually wanted me on, but I was on before you. What a statement that is. I was not happy with the fact. I don't know if you caught this. I was not happy that they were, they were not intrigued by my Herzl uh, figurine that was sitting next to me in the studio. It was a shame. They, they belittled it. It's almost a, a plaything. I was shocked. <laughs> Rabbi Fez, I was sh- I, I almost didn't sleep a week last night after that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, Rabbi Fez. The Jerusalem municipality, as the Jerusalem Post puts it, has granted Nefesh Benefesh a permanent Aliyah center in the Holy City of Jerusalem. Mazal Tov, Mazal Tov. Thank you so much. We are flying high here. can only uh, imagine. Two years ago when I saw that uh, the building and the property, um, Tony and I were, it was right after a charter flight. Two years ago after the August charter flight, someone said, you got to see this property. Tony and I opened the door, we walked in, and we grabbed each other's arms and said, this is home. And it's been uh, two years of protocols, processing, advocacy, lobbying, and for Thursday night, a few days ago, last week, Thursday night, the municipality, Yushalayim municipality, voted to uh, give us the property, the building, and we have 12 months to finish the construction and renovations and move in. So we are, we are now, besides this incredible interest and wave of Aliyah coming in, we are now also building an Aliyah center in the heart of Yushalayim, across from the Supreme Court, Right next to Gan Soccer, and it could be I just it could be really a fulfillment of so many dreams and a fulfillment of so m- many projects that we wanted to put into place 
but we just didn't have the center. So I'm excited. Well, you and I um, have already said that we look forward to having a L'chaim uh, in that new building. And based on what you're saying, the timeline, that L'chaim, assuming there's travel by then, uh, could take place in 2021, right? It could happen in the second half of next year. Oh, yeah, please, God. That's amazing. By the, by the way, everybody who's trying to build hotels and residential properties in Jerusalem for the last 40 years are, are going to ask you what your secret is that you got this done so quickly, frankly. Yeah, because <laughs> as uh, someone was saying in our staff, it takes six months just to renovate a bathroom at your house here. So exactly. that's how we're going to do a building and a half. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of friends of mine who've been working on projects since the 70s who who, who are still trying to push papers through. They're going to be calling you in an instant after this conversation. It's okay. Uh, this morning, our dear mutual friend, Avi Levine, walked into my office with a hard hat with a Netflix logo on it. So. I think they're expecting me to roll up my sleeves and start breaking drywall. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Rabbi Yoshua Fass is with us. We're talking about the big news. There's actually going to be, I can't believe that's the neighborhood that it's in. I mean, Gan Soccer is obviously well known to this audience. Anybody who's been to Jerusalem knows exactly the area you're speaking of and what an incredible area that is. Now, now frankly, take me through this because when you got to your building, uh, the one that's been home now for how many years? How many years are you in uh in we've been here for 15 years. Wow. 15 and a half, 16 years. When yeah. you got to that building, you did envision it because of its space, location, and 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 some of the enhancements that it had uh, to be a real Aliyah center, to be, to be able to have real live seminars, events, and all this came to fruition. I mean, you, you did incredible stuff uh, with that building in Givacho, obviously great office space, call center, et cetera, et cetera. It's a place that, frankly, I find as a visitor very comfortable, and it looks to me that your staff finds it very comfortable. H- how much more will you be able to do in a real, you know, permanent Aliyah center that's now going to be built? Well, our we love this place, and it's uh, given us tremendous mazel and hatzlacha and success. Um, but our auditorium can fit maybe 80 people. Right. So when we would have visiting missions and federations or high schools or even soldiers or other countries come, we, we're maxed out at 70, 80 people. Um, our new auditorium is uh, the main floor is a convention center. It can hold 400 people comfortably. Wow. Um, so we can take high schools, we can take groups, we can have... You know, our mega event in America, we can have mini mega events for Olim who made Aliyah, and we can do it weekly, quarterly. We can have, uh, I have dreams of doing at-cost weddings for lone soldiers, um, so we can have a chuppah on the roof and and, uh, and a simcha for them. Oh, what's amazing about your dreams is that they come true. That's what's amazing about your, and and thank God, unlike... uh, you know, uh, unlike certain people in Jewish history who knew that those dreams would only come true way after they're 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 gone, you know, generations later, and that they were sowing the seeds for it, you get to see the fruits of your labor. Just amazing, uh, the dreams that you're dreaming and, and what's going on. So, so if JM and the AM ever does, and we don't have to, I don't, I don't need to be yelled at. You this. have your room if, already if JM, if JM and the AM ever does really make the move to Israel, the press conference will be in the room you just described in that big 400 seat auditorium. It's not. It's forget about the press conference. I'm talking about your studio. <laughs> your studio will have its own room. You're telling me if I wanted to, if I wanted to permanently broadcast from Jerusalem starting in the second half of 2021, you would have if a- you Nahum, If you move and you want to continue broadcasting, I would I would vacate my office. 
and you can take my offer. That's, that's how much, A, I value you, I value as a friend, value and your impact. Your impact and your voice is so unique and spectacular that uh, I think it's... Um, could could fit into any halls of importance and significance. Not that my office is anything of significance, but well, uh, I think anyone anyone would would make sure that they afford you the location and the cover that you need to continue your incredible work. Okay, give me a chance to pick myself up off the floor. Ah, Rabbi Yoshua Fass is with us. A couple of other things uh, of newsworthy uh, content. The, uh, going back to the Jerusalem Post, I've been covering you a lot recently. Uh, they claim, and honestly, I just don't have in front of me the stats that you gave us on the air. I'm sure they're similar, obviously. Uh, they said last year in the first three weeks of June, I think you had told us about the first two weeks, in the first three weeks of June, you claim that 5,000 households had reached out from North America to the Nefesh Nefesh Aliyah hotline. This year, in that same period, roughly the 1st through the 21st of June, 25 thousand families have contacted Nefesh Benefesh in that time period. I mean, these stats that you that you hit us with, you know, like right before Shavuos, I mean, they just keep coming fast and furious. It's like it, the numbers are insane at the, at the moment. They're insane. They're staggering. They're telescoping. When you put it on a chart, the numbers, it's just, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It it's is absolutely, amazing. it's jaw-dropping. Um, to think, and I, I, I get them generated, statistics generated daily. If you look at the month of two, it, just June in 2019, we had 398, 400 families who finished the entire process, submitted their applications, everything done. This year in June, 1,352 families finished the process. Wow. That's families. So... If you look at the average family, it's two and a half, if I show two and a half people per household, that's what our uh, median average is. Talking about <laughs> a few thousand people who just finished the process in June alone. Unbelievable. Uh, there's another area of uh, insight that you can give us. When you were on the air last time, you gave us a list. It was either the last time or, or two times ago. It was a list of um, group flight dates that Nefesh Benefesh has booked with Elal, I believe, not that I memorize our interviews, but one might think so after I say this, I believe it was four in July, eight in August, and one in September, if I, if I remember correctly. My, my, kids would, my, my kids would be shocked that I can't actually recite the dates for you at this point. Anyway, um, we read yesterday that Elal has canceled all flights until further notice. Not really COVID-related, but a little bit COVID-related because it's a labor situation. But if you read it carefully, it really is something a little bit unique for these times. Can you tell us? First of all, we're anxious to know because you're you're an insider when it comes to travel to Israel. We're anxious to know when we'll be able to finally be admitted to Israel. But but more importantly, is this going to affect the group flights, etc.? We will get confirmation in the next few hours if the internal fighting or the internal politics of LL and the current negotiations with the government will affect our booked um, group flights and cargo flights. But we have a plan B, and uh, we'll have the seats available for for the OLIM if necessary. Um, I'm not concerned, but we will. Um, but plan B is already in place. Is there a plan C? 
for an army cargo jet to come and have no seats inside and put 1,100 people in there with their luggage and fly them to Israel? Is that is that a plan C? So one of my kids asked, one of my kids asked last night, what's plan C? I said, mules. <laughs> what did you say? Mules. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> mules. Mules. I, of course, referencing the record-breaking flight from Ethiopia, but the reason I say it like that is because it sounds like, by hook or by crook, you are determined that if people want to move to Israel, you will do what is necessary to make sure they get there when they want to get there. A hundred percent. We have to. It's it's the it's the oxygen of our of our dream of our nation of our of our destiny. I was in the government yesterday, and and they said at the end of the day, no matter what, you will not let an Oleh behind. And uh, when it comes to either the financial need from the government to afford this wave of Aliyah, or the transportation, um, there are a lot a lot of challenges, and it's a perfect storm. We've never had. We've never had an interest like this since 1948, and we've never had this, these amount of challenges at the same time. Uh, corona has created so many bureaucratic hurdles that, uh, that we spend so much of our time trying to reconcile and find a solution, and then the moment that we've solved this issue, another one pops up. And, and, it's, and uh, we're dedicated, and everyone is committed, and everyone's working hard, and no one's sleeping to make sure that people who want to fulfill their dream can get here. But to say that it has been um, a walk in the park, that would be the furthest from the street. <laughs> yeah, that I can imagine. You know, it's funny. You say it's since 1948. But if we really sit, if we'd have an opportunity to sit together and, and schmooze this over as the expression, oh, it, it, could, have fun. It, it could be. It could be, when you think about it, since, since the Jews were in the desert, this might be the greatest interest and enthusiasm for getting to the land of Israel, literally in the history of the Jewish people. Well, you have to. You would. It would be a tricky definition because right. you would have to talk about how you define the Russian Aliyah right. and the Ethiopian Aliyah and the first Aliyah and second Aliyah. So you would have to define what is uh, an Aliyah of distress versus Aliyah of choice, right? And all, a all, and also, a willingness. Right. Also but, these... uh, I mean, if you look at the numbers of, of the second commonwealth of Ezra and Ephemia, um, we're talking about very few numbers. It's debated, but the maximum number that's given is 38,000 people moving right. as, a, as, as a movement. So, uh, no, the, the numbers are remarkable. People are coming for the right reasons. Uh, people have had a time to pause and to focus and introspect and um, and it, and we just have to work our darndest to make sure it happens for them. Yeah. Um, and and the truth is, you've worked your darndest to make it as easy as possible. Yet another reason why we are enjoying what I just described, what could be the greatest push of Aliyah ever, because again, people see that there's a system in place that is not nearly as complicated as some of the other systems. Uh, you know, no forty years in the desert. Uh, no, no pushback after after uh, the first exile. Um, uh, you know, the, not having to go uh, over land and sea uh, in the seventeen and eighteen hundreds in order to get to uh, the land of Israel. It, it, it is it is simply a different landscape. The whole Aliyah process right now. By the way, there was one other article I saw where the um, uh, Karen Kayama chairman said that Israel will bring thousands to the Negev. And the Galilee, I'm not minimizing the story, but, but I mean, is, is there anything special about this? Meaning, you've been saying this, that your efforts with, with, with JNF and, and, you know, and just as Nefesh Benefesh, yeah. yeah, your efforts for the North and South have been very strong over the last 
two decades. Is this a big thing, or simply it was just uh, you know the, he he made a statement and therefore they covered it? No. So the chairman of Cocal Daniata has two paths. There's one, the proximal plan, and that's continuing to build the periphery. But there's also Project 2040, which is a tremendous uh, investment of vision and resources to see to populate the periphery and to develop them as real viable options for Israelis and for immigrants. And uh, a lot of scaffolding and a lot of planning and building the South and building the North. And it's, it's, it's remarkable to see just how people have vision. I've seen, I've seen the architectural scaffolding of these plans, uh, and, and they're incredible. So anywhere from technology to, to parks to housing, and, and it's uh, to draw new populations to, to, to the periphery. So, and we're part of that, of that vision, and we're part of that plan um, in a very small way. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about a million people, um, close to a million people over the next 20-something years to the periphery, but it can happen. If there's concerted effort, and we, this is a country that's built on Nisim, on miracles that happen daily, mm-hmm. if not hourly. So if there are people who are pushing and they're, they're hand-in-hand working with uh, the Almighty, uh, incredible things happen. Well, now that you mention this about the 2040s, etc., I don't feel as silly uh, with the item that I have on our agenda for the next time you and I actually have a face-to-face meeting. And, and of course, that what what is that item on the agenda? The item is uh, where will you and I be on April the uh, 16th, 2048, uh, which will be the day that we celebrate the 100th birthday of the State of Israel. I think you and I have to start talking about that. You know, what kind of day is that going to be? And uh, are we going to set aside time to uh, celebrate together that day? I would hope so. Yeah, exactly. You bring the hummus. I'll bring you think hummus will still be really popular in Israel by then? We're talking about almost 30 years from now. You think it'll still be a big item? <laughs> I hope we won't be wearing masks. That's my that's my dream. Well, if we're wearing masks, they ain't going to let anyone travel in anyway. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, we're hoping not wearing masks, and uh, hopefully by then people will realize that the future of the Jewish people is, in fact, in the state of Israel. Uh, the Jerusalem municipality has granted Nefesh Benefesh a permanent Aliyah center. It's going to be amazing. Bezrat Hashem. We wish uh, a big Mazal Tov to Rabbi Fast and the entire Nefesh Benefesh family and everybody out there. If you are uh, among those, the tens of thousands in North America that are now considering Aliyah, that are now considering a move to Israel, it's really easy, this process. 866-4-ALIYAH, 866-4, and then A-L-I-Y-A-H. And, of course, um, uh, nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il. Did I, did I tell you my other dream for the uh, 100th birthday of the State of Israel? Did I ever share this with you? I don't remember. Did I'm I, not sure. Tell me. Uh, I would like, and, and I'll tell you, when I first heard this idea like 15 years ago, we were in such a different political place, meaning the State of Israel is such a different, ridiculous political space to even consider it. But now, as we see the way Israel's developing as a real leader and being recognized as a real leader by people who were once our enemies and by so many on this globe, I don't know if it's crazy for the for the 2048 Summer Olympics to be in Israel during Israel's 100th birthday. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be amazing. And by the way, there there is... <laughs> Based on a but based on a show that I saw while I was in Israel a few years ago, one of these you know morning shows on TV or something. There's actually somebody who's chairing this effort 
for Israel 100 to be the home of the 2048. Yeah, they already started to lobby for this. I don't know if they're lobbying or it's somebody who, again, an older gentleman, so I don't think he thinks he'll be around in 2048, but he thinks it would be an amazing way to commemorate Israel's 100th birthday. And frankly, on the even more serious side, because I am being serious about this, but on the even more serious side, you have to agree that, that 15 years ago we would have laughed at this idea, knowing Israel's place and how it was viewed. Correct. And now... Halavai, it, 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 if only it, it would happen, but it's it's not far-fetched. I mean, a little bit far-fetched, but it's not far-fetched. Yeah. <laughs> With a capital F. When I first heard it, it was far-fetched. By the way, by the way, I just got a call. Apparently, the Jerusalem municipality needs your building for the hundredth uh, anniversary for the Olympic You're Games. You're adorable. They've, <laughs> they've, they've, Thanks for adding stress to <laughs> my life today. The, the, <laughs> apparently, the Olympic Village starts at the core at your core at your new quarter, Rabbi Fess. <laughs> Uh, uh, what can I tell you? You got to dream. You got to dream. It's the only way. And look at your dreams. That's what's so unique that you have had the the. There's so many dreamers in Jewish history. So many. This coming Monday again, we're doing a a Zoom call with David Matlow. He's going to show us items from the Herzl collection. You know, there's so yeah. many dreamers in Jewish history. Hurt and I jokingly on Yom Atzmaut. I don't know if you heard or saw that show or not, but when Mayor Weingarten was on with me during Zoom, I had Herzl next to me. Everyone's, you know, laughing that I have the Herzl. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally, and I know it sounds funny and looked ridiculous, but I am literally saying into his ear what Israel has become. You envision you dreamt about it standing on the you know on the balcony of the Three Kings Hotel in Basel. You dreamt about it in nineteen oh one and and throughout your entire life. And and I have to tell you, you need to know what's going on now. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Remember, uh, on a charter flight, we sat next to each other, and I showed you that picture of uh, the eventual, eventual Aliyah Center that I would one day want to build in Yerushalayim. Yes, Remember that? That's right. And I said, keep this to you. This is confidential, but this is a, a dream. That's right. Oh, my gosh. And the dream is Remember coming that? true. The whole thing is unbelievable. I'll tell you. Just incredible. Ah, uh, who would have believed it? Anyway, everybody, we wish a mazal tov to Rabbi Fast and the entire Nefesh B'Nefesh family, 8664 aliyah nbn.org.il. By, by the way, Rabbi Fast, one last thing. One last thing. Yeah, I'm with you. One of the, I mean, we've, you and I have discussed this a million, no, I shouldn't say a million, because I think we've discussed Parsha Shlach more often, but, <laughs> but I, I, you know, Moses himself, Moses himself pleads to God to reverse his decision about him not being allowed to go into the land of Israel. And look how close he was. Look at the geography, how close Moses actually was to the land of Israel. Certainly close enough to see it, that we're told, you know, explicitly in the in the in the Torah. Mm-hmm. And 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 he never had the privilege. He dreamt about it. Boy, did he dream about it and thought about it and wanted it so badly. And and was never able to achieve it. And we have this unbelievable privilege of being there whenever we want. I know, I know the COVID, you know, asterisk. I get it, but being there whenever we want, living there if we wish. Now, if someone does want to see their grandchildren in Israel, there is an option, and that's called Aliyah. There is still a way to go to to see the kids in the Holy Land, even during this pandemic. And it's just sometimes mind-boggling that the greatest desire of the greatest man in our history was never fulfilled, and yet we could do it almost in an instant in our own lives. 
anyway. Very humbling. Yeah, it really is something. Mazal Tov, thank you. Thank you, my dear friend. And thank you so much. And I can't I'm, wait to see you tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I can't wait to see you. Oh, and on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday until your listeners ban me for coming onto your airway. By the way, big news tomorrow, Rabbi Fast. Big, big news. I know you catch up. You catch up. You I, you write the worst wrong in history. It is unbelievable that you are mobbish. You know exactly what I was going to say. You we align our souls and our, and our Torah readings. We have the double Parsha, you have the single Parsha, and we do, on the 4th of July, we do finally catch up, and I like the way you put it. it, it I, what did you say, mistake? What did you call it, colossal error? What did you call it? <laughs> no, I just said we write or wrong, but it's okay. But what? it's just, no, this is, this is very personal to me. Do you know what my Bar Mitzvah Parsha was? What was it? Chukat Balak. Wow. Talk about a real long... Our show to learn, but yeah. So when you talk about this historical wrong and being unaligned um, diaspora Israel um, and not being in sync, uh, it has a little personal rub as well. Because uh, it made a thirteen-year-old learn two parshas. And it's funny because because yesterday we were having to be discussing this because of a new uh, a new um, uh, kids chumash that came out. It, it, this these two parshas, your bar mitzvah sedras have so many episodes in them. Everything oh in Jewish history happened in these two parshios. It's unbelievable. <laughs> from from Miriam and Aaron dying to the hitting it, of the it, hitting it, of the rock. To, I mean it just there's so much stuff. It's in like it. they were running out of space. Okay, we're gonna fit everything in now. <laughs> it really is funny. Uh, uh by the way, one other thing. One other thing before you leave me. How I'm not leaving you. How interesting. How interesting and I don't know exactly uh, what your uh, uh, when your birthday is, but how interesting that your that your bar mitzvah celebration is so close to Parsha Shlach, but after Parsha Shlach. There's got to be something there, Rabbi Fast. I, I will work on this one. I'm going to work on this Good one. Good luck. It's Good luck. I, I don't. I don't see the connection, <laughs> but I'm sure you'll. In something. other words, in other words, you were <laughs> you were this close. You were this close to literally being tied to the parsha that is most associated with you. But God felt, you know what? We're going to delay this a week or two. Very, Let's give him a break. Let's very, give him a break and let him speak about other Torah. And <laughs> very fascinating. Uh, continued success, Mazal Tov, and I cannot wait to actually see you face to face in the Holy Land. Hundred percent, can't wait. The You're one, one of the first people that I reached out to after we got the news of the building. I, I, you know I thank you for that, uh, Mamish. What a celebration! What an international celebration, and uh, just incredible for for everybody involved. Nefesh, the city of Jerusalem, the state of Israel, and of course the entire Jewish people. The co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, Rabbi Yeshua Fass, on yet another special Thursday broadcast at JM in the AM. Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes. Born in the USA. Oh, yes. Making Oh, yes. Oh, my thanks, Rabbi Fest. 8664 aliyah, nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il. What an amazing conversation.